What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, we'll take a look at some of the top players who didn't sign rookie scale extensions before the season and are betting on themselves for a bigger payday and restricted free agency. With that in mind, our Hoops Hype salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin is going to join me to break down why contract extensions didn't materialize for players such as Suns forward Cameron Johnson, Hornets forward P.J. Washington, and Celtics forward Grant Williams, and what their projected values are looking ahead. We'll also discuss the outlook for other players such as Cam Reddish, Rui Hachimura, and Kobe White. Yossi, great to have you back in studio with me, my man. How's everything your way? Everything's going fine. Pretty good NBA season. One of the healthier starts to the year, I think. So pretty competitive off the start. I think the biggest injuries right now are like Holmgren and Lonzo Ball. So like if those are some of the bigger injuries right now, uh, you could. it feels like just we're getting a really competitive dose of basketball to start the year. I agree, though I will say one of the guys we're going to touch on to start off the podcast had a decent uh, injury uh, in in Cam Johnson. Um, You know, the Suns losing him, I think, is going to hurt. But, you know, Yossi, as I touched on uh, in the open, a lot of these guys had contract extension talks, but they didn't come to fruition. So the Phoenix Suns discussed a contract extension spanning four years between 66 and $72 million with Cameron Johnson at different points before the start of the season, uh, league sources told Hoops Hype. And, you know, in years past, shooters such as Davies Bertans, Joe Harris, and, and Duncan Robinson have all earned average annual salaries around that range um, however, with the salary cap expected to rise significantly and, and given Johnson's prominent role on a championship contender, some around the league believe he can surpass those figures with a good season. After he got promoted to being a full-time starter, he was shooting a career-high 43% from three-point range uh, before suffering a torn meniscus that uh, required surgery, and he's reportedly going to be out one or two months You know, Yossi, I think looking ahead, it's worth noting that the Suns had previously extended Mikhail Bridges on a four-year $90 million deal, and there are executives around the league who don't believe the Suns want to go anywhere near that range to keep Cam Johnson, who's going to turn 27 in March. As you digest some of those contract extension talks I've outlined and um look ahead towards his future in free agency. How do you view it for Cam Johnson uh, going not only this season, but looking ahead? I'm not too worried about him now. It's been announced that he's going to uh, do the uh, trim. So he's only going to miss about one to two months, which uh, even if he, to me, even if he were to do the repair and be out for the year, if that was an option, I still think he would probably get around that uh, those figures you just mentioned. Uh, yeah, like Colin Sexton, for example, he just went through that uh, torn meniscus after the all, basically all of last year. Around, I think got injured around the same time, and he ended up getting four for seventy-two. So I think no matter what, Cameron Johns is probably looking at that type of floor. He's the te- he's got the he's the player type, one of the more scarce 
types of players that any team would want a shooter uh versatile wingman uh so far this year mostly stayed the course he's obviously starting now uh similar usage numbers all about the same 39% from 3 for his career uh and you mentioned some of these shooters like Bertans and Joe Harris Duncan Robinson and He's better than all those guys. He's more athletic. And this, besides being a shooter, he's better at creating his own shot than those guys. So I understand why he would want more than than that figure if that's what all those guys want. Um, and he's just, he's just more skilled than them. So uh, now you mentioned about how the Suns, they might not want to touch uh, what they gave Mikhail Bridges to him. Um, I maybe they're just kind of playing things carefully. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not so much they want that they don't want to give him that, but they just want to see if that type of offers out there first, kind of like with Deandre Aiden, he wanted the max contract and they basically said, all right, well, let's see if you get one next off season. And that's how that played out. Um, and I, but also I guess another benefit though, I think maybe they didn't, I don't, I wonder if they, if they how much they prioritize extending him just because um now that he's not extended it's he's much easier to trade had he been extended there now so no since he's not extended there's no uh, poison pill provision so they could easily trade him if needed and you know this is just my speculation that if things in brooklyn eventually uh, if they just, if they ever hit the reset button, I still think Kevin Durant to Phoenix would make a ton of sense. And Cam Johnson's obviously would be part of the package that can head out back, uh, head back to Brooklyn or a third team that makes something happen. So uh, just as a, in case there is some type of trade they could do, uh, he is, he could, they can still trade him without any uh, issues. I agree with you in terms of, his trade eligibility eligibility for sure. Um, he would be an intriguing piece for a lot of teams and having his restricted rights would go a long way as well. Excellent point there. And, you know, it's interesting. You, you talk about him getting promoted and making the most early on, at least, you know, staying the course with being a starter ahead of Jay Crowder. They're going to have to figure out that situation. But you'll see another guy that, return that became a starter uh, is PJ Washington with the Charlotte Hornets due to the Miles Bridges situation. And for him, it couldn't have come at a better time uh, in a contract season. And the the Charlotte Hornets were discussing a contract extension of around four years, 50 to $52 million with PJ Washington league sources told hoops hype. Uh, the offer was nearly identical to the extension Wendell Carter Jr. previously signed with the Orlando Magic. Uh, however, Washington was seeking closer to $20 million annually, uh, league sources told Hoops Hype. And Washington, he's averaged a career high over 15 points and about, I think, 1.2 blocks per game for the Hornets. Um, since he's returned to being a full-time starter in the absence of Miles Bridges. So uh, for PJ, I can see why he wanted to bet on himself. I don't know if he's going to hit that high of an average annual salary, but I could see why he thought he could get more 
than the four-year 50 to $52 million range uh, that the Hornets were talking about now, uh, you know, with the cap rising and whatnot down the line as well and and given his age. Right. So I think it made complete sense that he declined any type of extension. You know, four for 50, that's probably going to be around the mid-level a couple of years from now, just like slightly more than that. And aside from that, like if that's his floor, the fact that, you know, Miles Bridges isn't there right now, he has, a, he got elevated. So he's got a great opportunity coming into the season to really try to try to break out and have a, uh, make some strides and then try to push for more. Uh, so yeah, he's had the opportunity, but uh you know, you mentioned like the Wendell Carter comparison uh, contractually. Um, you know, so PJ, not even though he's getting a bigger role right now, he's getting a much higher usage. Uh, his efficiency is a little down. Uh, so he hasn't really been able to sustain the this higher usage. Uh, so not the not like the greatest start, but for the most part, he's on par with what he's been doing throughout his first three seasons. Um he hasn't really shown like the best ability to be a small ball five, uh, especially not being able to defend up too well. So if he, he, he just, it's more or less the same, I think. Uh, so I, so far, I think there's still a chance that he can really improve whether it's his scoring and shooting or defense. If he can really improve on something, then yeah, I could see him uh, pushing for more than that 50 million range that he's been offered. Um, and uh, one one adjustment I do notice though is I feel like he's with uh so now they have um the new coach uh, what's his name I already forgot Steve Clifford uh, Steve Clifford and one thing I've I have is when I watch uh when I watch PJ little little bit of adjustment I think he's start starting to have like a little more of an inside game some of his better games this year scoring wise are when he's just score going to the paint and scoring posting up doing that a lot more he used to shoot a, he's still shooting a good amount whether it's from three or mid-range but starting to uh take advantage of his physicality a little more so um he's still got a i think he still has plenty of opportunities to really break out but i still feel like that uh 50 million like four for 50 range that should still be there if, if this is who he is without making any big improvements he should be fine getting that yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting in that regard. I think, obviously, the return of LaMelo Ball is going to help him offensively get easier shots. Um, LaMelo certainly a willing passer, so that should certainly help him out in, in that regard. Um, it, he's kind of a tweener. You know, sometimes he plays small ball five, but he's really, I think, more of a four um, right. in, in today's NBA and it really comes down to his ability to stretch the floor and uh, be versatile. Um, you yeah, know, we'll with, with Borrego, they played him at the five a lot, and they had some really good offensive lineups. But I don't think I'm not sure if he's played that much with Clifford. I Clifford trying to, you know, get, get them a little better. The, like part of the reason I brought him in is to improve their defense. Uh, they haven't. I don't. I don't. They haven't really. I don't think they've improved it that much. Like I don't. I'm not sure they're average right now, but. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how much small ball five he's playing, especially because like Nick Richards is getting a lot of backup five. Yeah, they're playing a little more traditional in that regard with Nick. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. You kind of talk about a guy that's kind of a tweener, 
that could play small ball five and 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 the four spot. You then look at Boston Celtics forward Grant Williams and Grant right now uh, has gotten a significant role. But, you know, during extension talks with Grant Williams, the Celtics never offered more than $50 million guaranteed over four years. Uh, league sources told Hoops Hype. And as I had previously reported on Hoops Hype, Williams would have taken a deal for $14 million annually um, per year. So far, uh, Williams is on pace to garner more than that offer in restricted free agency, uh, thanks to a torrid start <laughs> to the season. He's been shooting over 60% from the field and making 50% of his three-pointers. Um you know, there, there are some around the league, Yossi, that believe an offer around $18 million annually could be too much for Boston to match in restricted free agency. And, you know, of course, anything in the non-taxpayer mid-level exception range uh, would likely be matched by Boston given uh, their extension offer to Grant. Um, what's your crystal ball say for him uh, so far looking ahead towards restricted free agency in the summer and uh, your thoughts on how he's fared so far. Yeah. So I'll start with how he's fared. So he continues to be a low to medium usage efficiency monster. You mentioned 50% from three off uh, 3.3 attempts per game. Uh, basically what he sh- shot last year, but he's up from 41%, uh, 61% from the field overall. And uh, so I, I guess the the big thing was Boston. Maybe there, a lot of their decision making could be like, where does he fit uh, with the Celtics team uh, uh, usage wise? Because they already have Tatum and they have Brown, and you know, I, I eventually I would imagine he's going to be their starter. Um, you know, because Horford he's getting he's getting up there. Um, so I. I think at the highest ends, I'm definitely, I might not, I don't think I'm opposed to giving him like 18 million per year. Um, like you just mentioned. Uh, and, but it, let's say he was to get a more elevated role in the future. I think it's possible he can thrive on a, on high, on a bigger role um, and can sustain some of these percentages on Saturday night. He got to start when, Brown and Tatum were not playing. I think someone else was missing. Some other key guy was missing. And he basically uh, hit what his average is in a very high usage, albeit against uh, the league's poorest def- defense in Detroit. But he, I, I, he's showing he, he's still having a strong season. And, and he's getting, when he gets the opportunity, he's proving himself. He's proven that he can guard up at times like when like the job he did against Giannis in the playoffs that was a big contribution towards them beating the Bucks. Uh so I think he's shown that he can be a 15 million plus a year player and if he keeps improving which he should uh he definitely should be their starter soon. Um so I figure that Boston if they offered him like if they weren't even offering him like 14 million a year, then it, it it feels to me that they were just trying to match what the rest of the like backup four or five stretch big market was 
for this recent offseason. You look at P.J. Tucker, Maxi Kleba, um, Larry Nance, just examples. All those guys are getting like 11 to 12 million per year on their recent deals. So maybe that's how, how Boston was operating, just not trying to uh, overpay him relative to the market. And like I said, in my opinion, I don't think that's an overpay. overpay. I think Grant Williams better than these guys. Um, but hopefully the market is much stronger for his player type next off season. Uh, but at the same time, if, if that, those figures, 11 to 12 million a year, that's basically the, the full MLE going to go. That's what it's going to be going forward. So that seems to be his floor. So yeah, it's, it makes sense that he didn't take any deal right now. And, uh, I think he'll probably get a little more. I agree. I thought, He's got more upside with the way he's playing now. And, um, you know, in restricted free agency, I think he's young enough where he'll draw enough attention. And, you know, his representatives of BDA Sports, like they've, they obviously got DeAndre Ayton paid, you know, previously, uh, you know, when Zach Levine was with them, same thing. They got him an offer sheet. Um, They know how to play that game. Um, You know, ironically, speaking of Boston, you know, I believe they're the only team who has a G League GM that's in a hybrid role as a player development coach uh, in Jarrell Christian. I thought that I just thought that was interesting because I, I I don't believe that that has been done around the league. Um, so you know, he, so this, he's a G League GM, yeah, for the and main I, Red Claws, and he's a Celtics player development coach. Yeah, I, yeah, because when the Celtics were at the the Garden, he was there, and and coaching with the guys, and you know, with the other guys on staff, uh, Mike Moser, etc. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that was uh, interesting, but you know, um, man. yeah, I mean, you know, getting back on uh, topic, you know, we talk about guys that had some serious extension talks, and conversely, you couldn't say that about Cam Reddish and the Knicks. There weren't any serious extension talks for Cam Reddish and the Knicks. Uh, Recently, Reddish moved into the starting lineup, and he has a chance to show whether he can be New York's long-term shooting guard. Um, Reddish has always had upside, and his talent intrigues executives, but he hasn't been able to be a consistent player to this point. I think it's very hard to peg what his future is going to look like not only in New York, but trying to project a value for him. Um, but I'll ask you, Yossi, if, if you think that you can. Yeah. So Cam Reddish is a guy that we all know had a lot, has a lot of potential, a lot of athleticism, pretty good defender uh, for, uh, you know, projects to be a pretty good defender. When he was in Atlanta, like when I saw him, there's some games where he just, you would the amount with the amount of shots he was taking and like the like ha- the types of shots he was taking felt like he may have thought he was like the best player on the Hawks and now he's on the Knicks. Uh, definitely seems like he's clean, like he's got a lot better habits now. Uh, just focusing on his strengths. He, I see him like uh, he just had a really good game against OKC. Uh, the, the Thunder they they uh, they. Uh, they they put up 145 on the Knicks, unfortunately. 
But in that game, Cam just had 26 points on 10 of 17 shooting, mostly off thriving on uh, thriving off aggressive finishes at the rim and uh, managed to hit a good percentage of his threes. So uh, I guess it's just about consistency for him. Um, so if if he can do this all year, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, obviously not 26 points per game, anything like that, but maybe he can... If he can just be consistent, uh, I would imagine that he should definitely be getting some MLE type offers, like full MLE. Okay, I could. That's see. if he can, like you know, just be consistent. Sure, I mean it's obviously a big question, and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, around his future with the Knicks. I mean, a lot of uh, last year, you know, I know management wanted him to play more. He didn't. Now he's getting a shot this year. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's obviously led to a reduced role for Evan Fournier. And, you know, the Knicks are hovering around 500. Um, other than that, some other guys that I don't believe had really, you know, big uh, contract extension talks would be Rui Hachimura and Colby White. Um, you know, Rui Hachimura has been a consistent player in his fourth season in Washington. You know what you're getting between 12 to 14 points and five rebounds a night. He'll mix in high 40s shooting from the field overall. He just hasn't uh, been a starter since his second season, and he's failed to stay healthy through uh, his first three seasons. I think he's going to have to do that if he wants to get a, a good payday and, and restricted free agency looking ahead. Um, Kobe White's role and production have declined for the third straight season thus far. And, you know, you'll see, according to rival executives, he's he's a trade candidate for the Bulls looking ahead before the deadline. So um, keep your eyes on that for sure. Yeah, the expiring $7 million, If I'm sure that's going to come into play around the trade deadline if they want to just either they want to get like another uh just, no, they already sit on guards but they could definitely use another uh wing player off the bench um yeah we'll see what they end up doing yeah i mean time will tell on that but um i think as we get closer to december 15th that's when the ball is going to really start moving on trade talks a little bit more i know jay crowder's in a different scenario um but Time will tell on that. Um, any other guys that uh, you wanted to touch on or any other thoughts before we uh, kind of wrap it up here? Uh, not so much. First, uh, uh, you know, the rookie scale guys, uh, but there's a handful of guys that uh, either are currently extension eligible that were recent second round picks or are set to become free agents that I feel like they're going to be in we can talk about these guys another time. Guys like uh, Io Dasunmu. Uh, I mentioned Nick Richards earlier. Jalen McDaniels. Uh, just some guys that other young guys that are going to be up for big deals. Could happen during the season with an extension, or could happen uh, during the off season. All right, that's something we'll definitely be keeping our eye on for sure. With that, but um, you know, I think certainly Yossi with these guys uh, that are betting on themselves. First handful of guys, uh, you know, Cam Johnson, P.J. Washington, Grant Williams. 
So far, so good for them. Cam Reddish, there was only upside given how last year went when he came to the Knicks and couldn't play and was injured. Uh, time will tell for him. Same with Rui Hachimura and uh, Kobe White. But you know, I always appreciate you joining me in studio, my man, and, and your insight and projections. Um, you know, we got, uh, we got a little bit of a ways before free agency, but you know as well as I do that uh, these performances now start to add up um, in the totality of a whole season and executives everywhere are going out to these games now, especially since the college season is just starting and, and they're getting a good look at these guys. So good for them to uh, come out and have a decent start so far. But uh, Yossi, thanks again for joining me, man. I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.